Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in bothering. Ooh. Because I feel like our topic might bother some people. But anyway. I'm sure it will. Yes. So I'm Summer and I'm here with my co-host Joy Temby. And Joy, I want you to know that um, I don't have a fancy dancy like compliment for you. But I was driving into work today, which is like a 90 minute drive for right. me. And I was just pondering very genuinely um, the fact that there's no one on the face of the earth I'd rather do a podcast with. Oh. If someone was like, you can do a podcast with anybody, living or dead, my answer would be joy. Wow. So, You're kind of dumb right now. <laughs> just saying, if you want to do no, a podcast no. with someone else, you totally can. You're the yin to but my yang. thank you. Or I would be the black part of the yin and the yang, and you would be the white. That sounds like paganism. <laughs> I don't know. I should listen to last week's episode again. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but you are right. Yes. Um, I don't know about the whole yin-yang thing. I do. <laughs> I but, actually don't. Um, well, this You're is, obsessed with the that's new age. not... <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, but you're right. Yes. About... Not about the new age thing. Okay. But you're right. I am Joy Tembe, and um, I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer White. And Summer, if we were struggling... Professors slash parapsychologists, I would put a third mortgage on my house so that we could start a ghost catching business. Okay. Have our own theme song and save the world. And slide down a fireman's pole. Fire persons? <laughs> Fire woman. Is that like exclusive? It is. So it would be because it's ours, wouldn't it be a firewoman pole? Is that a thing? A Women just generally should stay away at from home, that, I think. In I don't the know. kitchen. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Ghost busting in the kitchen only. I mean, sorry, catching. Ghost, Ghost catching. Ghost catching. I still haven't seen the new Ghostbusters. We should do that. <sighs> is it terrible? I've heard it is. Okay. Well, anyway. maybe I forgot that I showed you. The, okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. We're just being women. <laughs> Chatty. <laughs> so anyway, um, actually, we have a dude with us. So I have been on this man's podcast three times, and uh, you could say that he was my gateway drug into the world of podcasting. I'm sorry, I can't let go. Not your dad? <laughs> oh, you're right. I mean, I guess he kind of. I guess the first podcast I was on was the Dividing Line. No big deal. Your dad, your dad was my gateway into. Well, I wasn't on his show. If that's the way you mean it. Right. So this is all a bit circular. You guys. Drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> the overall message is that drugs are bad. Um, so don't do them. Um, so anyway, this fine gentleman that we have with us today uh, is Les Lanfear of the Reform Pubcast. And he is making a film coming out soon. We'll get a date from him in a minute. And it's called Calvinist. It is. And... It is. Um, it's a bit of a family affair for me. So, you know, my dad's in the movie and my pastor's in the movie and I am also in the movie. Wow. 
I know. I really, I, I hit all the bases. You really did. Uh, you really did there. So I made the uh, wonderful choice slash mistake of sharing the trailer uh, for Calvinist oh. on Sheologians, and it got me into some trouble. Which is awesome, by the way. It's such a great trailer. You guys need to go watch it. Um, Thank you. It's really, it's really, really good. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to talk to you about the movie, and then we haven't really talked. I mean, Joy and I have. Right. I don't know if consciously or unconsciously have not really talked about the fact that we're Calvinists. Um, <laughs> and since posting your trailer, I think we shocked some of our listeners. So then, you know, um, I just want to find out from you why, why did you take a year of your life? to make a movie about this really mean, crotchety, old doctrine? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. But, 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 so you guys have managed to do your show this long, and, uh-huh. your listeners, and your listeners aren't even sure that you're Calvinist. I know, so this is like our 51st episode. Right. Well, so I think that, I think when we first started, we didn't know, like you never know what kind of audience you're going to get, or if you're going to get any audience. Mm-hmm. And so I think we just thought everyone who's going to listen to this is also just going to be reformed. <laughs> like, right. Okay. So there's going to be 10 people listening <laughs> and they'll all also, you know, be Calvinists. Be Calvinists. Right. So it'll be fine. And then all of a sudden here we are 51 episodes in and. Yeah. We have a lot of really listeners that, yeah, they aren't Calvinists or they weren't aware that we're Calvinists. And um, I think a lot of times there's just so much divisiveness that can come from these conversations even even just saying that sentence feels like such old hat to me like we all know this um yeah i don't know if you if you're aware of this but there's a little bit of a stigma that goes along with this uh this theology that we uh we can be arrogant and it can be uh something we talk about a lot so you guys have managed (laughs) to you guys have managed to buck that trend so good right it's probably because we're women or something. Uh-uh. Is that it? <laughs> or quiet and gentle spirits. <laughs> right, right. Because boys rule or whatever. No, drool. Drool, right, right. Boys drool <laughs> and girls rule. And we managed to make it this far. Um, but, I mean, yeah. so you made, you know. This may yeah. be our last episode. We may find out that right. this is the one issue <laughs> that just ends us. <laughs> Gone too far this time. Right. So um, tell us about, I mean, when you interviewed me for the movie, I didn't know like what direction the movie was going, where you were going to take it. Um, I was just happy to be a part of it because, I mean, I feel like every other project you've ventured into, you've just done such a great job. So I was like, sure, he'll do a great job on this movie. You can interview me. Um, but now that I'm seeing the trailer, I'm seeing a little bit more about like what you're what you're trying to say. So tell us more about that. Sure. Uh, so I uh, discovered Calvinism maybe seven, seven or eight years ago now. Um, uh, I'd been a Christian for a while, and uh, I threw actually my co-host on the the podcast, Tanner, is one of the individuals who um, really started to show me that um, I was thinking about God uh, in a way that maybe wasn't as biblical as it could be, and. Um, you know, some people around me started challenging me, and uh, I, apparently, along with seemingly an entire generation of other mm-hmm. of other young uh, Christians, mm-hmm. um, really started to 
uh, be shocked by some of the things that Scripture was saying about the nature of man and the nature of God. And uh, there, there was this sort of, call it an awakening, call it a revival, call it a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, and, and all of a sudden, uh, we sort of rediscovered this old theology, and um, then there, there popped up all these big celebrity preachers that were, that were touting this, this thing. So, um, so kind of my, my idea in all of this, and I've gotten, you know, some people are trying to figure out like who exactly is this movie for and, and, and all that. And, um, I, I think primarily, um, it's basically a movie that I want to watch for, for me. And I think, uh, other people who are sort of in my circumstance would, would enjoy a lot or people who think somewhat similar to me. So, so it's kind of a for us by us sort of, sort of thing, but okay. I wanted to also be able to serve the purpose of, uh, all these friends and family around me think that I'm crazy because, <laughs> I, because I started talking about God electing and predestining and all these offensive doctrines and they think I've joined a cult. Right. So right. I want to be able to, I want to be able to sit down, show them, uh, a movie that sort of tells my experience and say, See, at least there's logical thinking behind it. There's there's a reason I believe these things. There's biblical support for it. It might not convince everybody who watches it, but uh, at least they'll have a better understanding of where we're coming from. Right. Um, and and I also think that uh, as we uh, those people who went through that sort of experience along with me t- over the past decade. Um, as growth and maturity happens, maybe also some uh, some numbness to how beautiful and mind-blowing these things were to begin with. So I think it's really good to reminisce back and remember how crazy it was that you know our minds were blown in such a such an amazing way, and uh, God was put on display in a, in in, in, a, in a way that we take for granted now a lot for for a lot of us. For speaking for myself, at least, right. So, you know, I had the, I had the off- opposite experience. Um, sure. right. Like, I remember the shock uh, in my own life when I found out that uh, there were uh, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who did not believe that God was sovereign over their salvation, did not, you know, believe that they, uh, you know, Christ essentially died on the cross and to make men savable, but then you had to go the rest of the way. And um, I, I remember the shock that I had when I found that out um, because I'd a- always been raised um, to view salvation as something uh, by God and from God and something that, you know, he had to replace our hearts of stone and that that wasn't something we could choose to do. Um, so when you started studying this stuff you said that there were some things in scripture that shocked you um do you remember what exactly that was like what what did you read that was shocking um well it was uh, a bunch of verses supporting the concept but the, the the big breakthrough concept for me was um i i actually so i heard about calvinism and i started studying it and uh you, have you guys ever seen that uh, that DVD series, Amazing Grace? Are you, are you familiar with that at all? No. It's like, a, it's like a five-disc set. It's like really long, and it's a really comprehensive uh, 
teaching on the history and theology of Calvinism. You should definitely watch it. It's a little outdated, but okay. uh, the informa information is top-notch. Um, so that got passed around my Calvary Chapel Church, like contraband. And, <laughs> <laughs> and people started watching it, and I was a Calvary Chapel fanboy. So my purpose in watching it was to defeat Calvinism. So I started watching this thing. And they presented Pelagianism at the beginning as sort of, you know, the, the, the granddaddy of this error that we would call Arminianism that, you know, is fixed with Calvinism, essentially. Right. Uh, but, but Pelagianism, they were saying, uh, teaches that man is born a clean slate. And then they threw this, this uh, word, uh, Latin word, tabula rasa, uh, clean slate. Right. So and and so they were like, so men aren't born sinful. They're not born uh, uh, with a proclivity towards sin. They learn sin from their parents. Um, so it's not something that's ingrained in us. It's something we learn and we can choose not to. Mm. Uh, so I was so I turned the DVD off at that point and I said, that's it. Pelagianism. That's the answer to Calvinism. <laughs> uh, and I was I was actually teaching at this Calvary Chapel and I stood up and I. Uh, I got in front of this group of young kids or uh, young teens and I taught them uh, that men are born clean slates. No, we are born tabula rasa and there uh, we don't we do not we're not born. We're not naturally inclined to sin. We learn it and we can choose not to do it. Wow. And uh, and nobody corrected me. Nobody said uh, maybe I shouldn't even say that. I already said the name of the church a few times. Sorry about that. Uh, but no, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't a problem. As long as it wasn't Calvinism, it, mm. was, it was okay. So um, th that's the time when people who were there who understood how awful what I was saying was. I mean, let me just say clearly, what I just said is a heresy. Right, like, right. Historical, awful, like like rejecting the gospel. Christ means nothing to you if you believe this heresy. Right. Um, so, And so people started approaching me and showing me the error of my ways and uh i was getting really good at the sinner's prayer so i started so i was leading people through the sinner's prayer and like getting all these notches on my belt and uh and one day this uh this kid who's actually featured in the the movie i used him because he was so important to, to me and my uh my you know growth through this uh he said you know praying a sinner's prayer doesn't doesn't like save you you know something has to happen Right. And I was like, yeah, 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 I don't, you know, whatever. You see, you pray and then something happens. So, you know, what are we talking about? So he sent me uh, the Paul Washer video, Weeping for the Souls of the Lost. And I watched it and, and he started talking about these, these, uh, these uh, cycles that we run people through. We bring them in the front door and we, and they're, they're unbelievers, but then we call them forward for an altar call. And then we say, pray, pray along with me. But if you don't want to pray, that's okay. Just, just squeeze my hand if you agree. And he said, behold the power of God. Uh, and hmm. then, he, then he actually went into what biblical uh, salvation looks like. And he talked about how we, we are naturally inclined against God. We do, we do not love God. And God actually comes. And these, this is where sort of the, the verses started, started to come in. He talked about how God takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and how Jesus says in John 6 44 that no one can come to me no one can so inability we're right. unable mm -hmm. unless the father who sent me draws him so this this internal drawing has to happen in order for us 
a sinful man to repent and come to Christ. So that doctrine, regeneration or uh, irresistible grace, uh, we call it within the context of sort of this doctrinal system. Um, that was the that was the breaking point for me. Like, oh, this isn't a decision. This isn't something that that uh, the, the only thing that separates me from an unbeliever is that I made a better decision than them or that I was more spiritually sensitive or something like that. No, God actually had to to first come to me uh, of his own accord, of his own power, of his own of his own will. And if he didn't want to, he wouldn't have. And he he actually had to change me. So right. that, that was the big thing for me. Right. What would you say? Um, and I'm hearing this one a lot in this in this conversation. What do you say um, to someone who says, you know, it's just they can't imagine a God so controlling? Um, what kind of loving God could that be um, if He's in control of your will and you're still a sinner? Or uh, essentially, you know, kind of this concept that God's really not a gentleman. He's not kind or He's not nice if He's forcing you into salvation like what's the antidote for that view of calvinism yeah well so i think uh the the, pro the problem with most critiques of calvinism is that you you pick one particular issue that you want to attack but you don't attack it from within the worldview that it lives in so uh so you you say okay god chooses who he's going to save and who he's not going to save so I'm going to attack that doctrine by removing it from the Calvinistic system, and I'm going to drop it in my own system, and then I'm going to attack it because it doesn't make any consistent sense within mine. So, right. yeah, if God chooses who he's going to save and who he's not going to save within a system where God loves everyone equally, Jesus died for the sins of every person in the world, and he, you know, he sees them all as equally lovable, uh, they're just a little messed up and need to be cleaned up, and it's, our, it's up to us— to make a decision uh, to love him or not love him, if that's uh, if that's the condition of man and God's uh, how God feels about men, then yeah, God electing seems completely arbitrary. It makes no sense because it undermines my 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 view of how God would love people. And yeah, so then it becomes it comes becomes ridiculous, and then you can just throw the whole system out because that one doctrine doesn't make sense. But uh, but there's a much bigger picture and a much more biblical picture of the condition of man and how God feels about men. And that is that in Adam, we actually fell into sin so much that we're actually born the enemies of God. And right. So we, we don't love him. And that that enmity is mutual is not mutually exclusive. God also has enmity towards us and we're actually born guilty. So wrath is upon us we're guilty before god and now we have a situation where god owes us nothing and his his default uh position towards us is one of wrath not love and now all those verses that talk about the love of god they're not just something you take for granted and say yeah of course god loves us because god's love and god love no now love becomes surprising how in the world could god love these people that he has no business loving and now grace comes in uh so now we can talk about the idea that god is actually overcoming his own uh his own offense god has been offended by us god has every right to destroy us scripture even says that he's created vessels for destruction 
uh, and he has every prerogative to do that. But he's chosen to, to uh, through the means of his own son being sacrificed, uh, to take away our sins and to actually uh, atone for, his, for, for our sins and remove his wrath from us. So God saves us from God. Uh, now, that situation, he can apply that to whomever he chooses. He has, he has no, uh, it's not unfair if he chooses to apply it to one person and pass over another. Uh, now it's actually grace. And grace means what grace is supposed to mean, which is completely unmerited, ill-merited favor upon people who deserve nothing but wrath and hell. And many of them will receive exactly what they deserve. But right. he's been gracious to others. Right. So ultimately, it starts with your view of of man and God. Uh, yes. And, and everything else is going to be built off of that, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one of the hard things, I, I we all have our own, like, little Calvinist cage stage. And I had mine when I was, like, <laughs> you know, 13 or 14. Um, not because I learned about Calvinism, but because I was so sad when I learned that not everyone was one, <laughs> Yeah. um, that it just made me really sad. And I, I, my intentions were like, no, I just want everyone to know like the God of the Bible, like, um, and you know, you kind of just pointed out like, essentially if we're all just kind of good and we're not really enemies of God, it really actually cheapens God's love towards us. Um, it, it actually it makes wrath make no sense. Right. How how can God send someone to hell if he loves them so much and wants to save them? What is what kind of sense does that make? Right. I hate thinking about a God who tried to save us and failed. Like what kind yeah. of God is that? Is that the God that you see in scripture? Someone who uh, is going to fail in his mission of salvation? Like it just it makes me it makes me sad. Right. Um, and not because I've, and because I am a Calvinist, it's, I don't feel sad for people because I think I'm better than them. Um, but just because we have this very clear message in scripture about who we are in relation to God. And, and it's sad when you lose that, um, and essentially yeah. elevate man's abilities and position and try to remove just how wretched we are, um, right. in the sight well, you, of a holy God. You absolutely lose the gospel in that like if it's a peer relationship more more of a peer relationship then you you do lose the gospel and i actually interestingly enough wasn't saved until i heard this really because i never uh, so i always thought i always thought that people were basically good mm. and i had um i took on a very cultural view of Christianity. I was like, this is what we do. This is my family. But I like, I can't ever, I can't ever be good enough. enough. Right. Um, like I knew my own heart um, wasn't the way that it was supposed to be. Right. And I basically, essentially what I was discipled to do was to show up to church, show up to my midweek group and read the Bible and memory scripture um, but I really had no answers as to what God had done for me. It was more like I do these things to like have favor and to be a good person and all this stuff. But so I really like I had this. It was more of a peer 
type thing. Like it definitely elevated self, but also like more so diminished who God was. And I mm-hmm. never knew of his consistency. Mm. And then like I w- we went over it in the youth group that I was attending and all it took was was a tea in the tea and tulip total mm-hmm. depravity mm-hmm. and i was like i'm 16 years old i've grown up in church and i have never heard right. that i was bad wow like and and so it's for a human to think we're all good mm-hmm. like that is the human to think like god is good god is the only being that is actually good right right and so in a sense like i am god and it and it like it kept me i was in i did all the things that the world would tell you to do to be saved which is grow up in a church and read your bible and pray and all these things but like it never god hadn't taken there was your heart no salvation <laughs> right there was no salvation there um yeah and it was through learning that that i was actually not good right right that like that to establish those roles right. between right between God and man. So to be clear, we wouldn't, I mean, none of us hold to the idea that you can't be a Christian and be an Arminian, which is the opposite of Calvinism, obviously. I just want, I want to be really clear about that. Um, Well, that's my, that's my family. Right. In a nutshell. Right. They're, they're saved. Um, I don't think of them as unbelievers, but they all have also thought I was in a cult at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, I have a, I mean, so it's, so Summer grew up a Calvinist. Joy was saved through Calvinism. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but I, but I was, uh, I was a, a legitimate Arminian for, for years before uh, I became a Calvinist. Right. But one, one thing that, that was huge for me is taking, so once I finally, I remember when, uh, so I was kind of learning it and it was all sort of sinking in and I was in line with my son at the, the checkout counter at a, uh, supermarket and I reached over to give him a kiss and he was like, he's two, he's in my arms and he pulled away from me. And, and at first I was like, fine, uh, <laughs> I won't give you a kiss, whatever. And then, and then I was like, you know what? No, I, I love you. So and I just like, I don't know. It's just like a dumb little daddy moment or whatever, but I grabbed him and, and kissed him. But then it like, it like, short-circuited my brain and i'm like oh my gosh like that's exact like god doesn't care like it doesn't if right. i pull away if i'm god's son and i pull pull away from his love what he just gives up on me like right. of course not so then i i packed him up in the car driving home and it all just dawned on me while i'm driving home and i started yelling with my kid in the back i'm like you chose me <laughs> <laughs> So that was huge. And and then that made me look back on my conversion. I was high on pills, coming down off of pills, and uh, super depressed. And my friend preached the gospel to me when I was 19 years old. And the the power of the gospel broke through my unbelief, and it all just clicked in my mind. And I remember, like, this dramatic experience. I quit drugs immediately. I had this, you know, pretty dramatic experience. But so now I had the theology to look back on that and say, oh, my gosh, like I thought I chose God. That's ridiculous. God grabbed me out of my sin. Right. And he made me his and he cleaned me. Uh, so all glory to God. Nothing. I get no credit for this. I had nothing to do with it except for all the sin that I brought to the table. Right. Right. That's so awesome. 
That is. I mean, that's, that's essentially cool. it in a nut in a nutshell. Like you you know, the question is, well, like, did God do this or did I do this? Um, and I feel like that's like the the main thing that it's going to break down to. Um, mm-hmm. And so, just having that view of there's nothing in me. I just think it's very freeing that I don't have to worry about continuing to choose God or like failing in a way that, oh, okay, well, maybe I can give up my own salvation. Like I can rest in the finished work of Christ. He chose me and I'm not in control of it. Right. And that's really, I don't have to, you know, I have to strive as a Christian. Like when you're, when you're granted uh, salvation, then you know you're you're granted the ability to walk in obedience, and so there is a striving to the Christian life. But knowing that I didn't choose it myself, and that it's not up to me to work um, for my salvation, is just it's just really freeing. Right. And I think a lot of times um, when we get in these kind of divisive Calvinism versus Arminianism conversations, there's so much need to be right. Um, and for me, it's more like, no, like I want you to have this rest of, um, God's complete sovereignty over your life. And, and you don't have to, you didn't earn this. You didn't make a good choice. Like this isn't on you. Like you can rest in his finished work. Like that's really what I want people to understand and and believe, not just because it's the truth, although that's the heart of the matter. Like it's the truth. It's what the Bible says about salvation, but because I just want other believers to have that rest and I just don't know how you can have it outside of any other belief system essentially right. well and we like we know that because of a changed heart all of those um, all of those things occur there is genuine peace it's not like you God changes your heart but until you become a Calvinist you don't right, like right. receive the full <laughs> benefits of it but um, there is there is a change. There is a, a God is glorified when we, um, when we see Him and sing His praises as He is. Right. So, like when we praise God because He is, because He can do as He pleases, and how amazing is it that He would mm-hmm. that He would pick someone mm-hmm. like me, someone right. who hated Him. Right. Um. He can do whatever He wants. Like He is God. Yeah. And it really there is um. I don't know. It's hard to say it in a way that won't um, intentionally be taken wrong. the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Because I absolutely believe that um, you still like it's, it's essentially like having a feeling and putting a name on the feeling. So like you can you you receive all the benefits of salvation mm-hmm. when it is granted to you. Mm-hmm. But um, when I became reformed, the more that I studied it the more I realized that I could like place a name on God's goodness. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's God's goodness. That's God's consistency. God really is who he says he is. Um, so that, I don't know. It's just, it's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to be, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not trying to, uh, you take it however you want to take it. <laughs> can, I make, can I make a quick comment about sort of the debate issue? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think uh, a lot of the, the maybe especially like online debates, which is where most people see this stuff uh, now, mm-hmm. um, it's it's usually like a, a pretty new uh, Calvinist, somebody who 
who understands some some basic understanding of these these the doctrines of grace we would call them these specifically right. the things where it's saying that God must do all the work. Um, it's somebody somebody who's pretty new to it. We call them a cage stager because right. uh, they belong in a cage, so they don't hurt anybody. Um, <laughs> and then and then they're going up against someone who hasn't really heard anything about it, and they and this is their first time hearing it. It's all alien to them, and it's all super offensive. So what they do is they uh, they play verse tennis and they throw <laughs> verses back and forth right. at each other, and and it's like oh there's the Calvinist verses and there's the Armenian verses, and they can both pull out their verses, and something that I think people really need to understand about this whole thing is that Calvinism does not remove human responsibility. Um, there's it, it's essentially like there are verses in the Bible that describe salvation from the perspective of the human. And then there are verses that describe salvation from the perspective of God. And if you only focus in on those verses that are the perspective of the human, and now it becomes all about human responsibility, then uh, then you're going to end up with a uh, with, uh, unbiblical view of man because you think because God tells you to do something you must have the ability to do that thing but there are verses that tell us uh, what the ability of man looks like um, so all Calvinism is is really doing is we're saying yes all those verses about the responsibility we, yes we must repent yes we must believe we must choose this day whom we will serve uh, we are responsible to do all those things but that doesn't mean we have the ability to, but the responsibility, absolutely, amen. But we're, but then we look at these other verses that describe salvation from, from the perspective of God, the God who draws men, the God who the Holy Spirit blows where he wills, and is, you, you can see his power, you can see his, uh, the effects, but you don't know where he comes from or where he goes. And Jesus says that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're first born again, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in a person. So now so now we we can say that God has freedom, he has power, he has um, he he has uh, all yeah, just just freedom is the best way to say it. He's he's powerful enough and he's free enough to do whatever he wants with his creation. He owes them nothing and he sovereignly chooses to save those whom he has foreordained before the foundation of the world. So there's the God perspective and we just say those things are actually true. We don't have to water them down. We don't have to say they're unfair. And we don't say they're inconsistent with the verses that also put responsibility on men. Right. So, so at the end of the day, who saves us? It's God. But he makes us able to do those things that the scriptures say that we must do. So right. neither we don't take away either side. We let them both stand. But we really actually emphasize the fact that God is sovereign the way that God said he is sovereign. Right. So true. Such yep. a good point. Such yes. a good thing to think about when we engage in those conversations. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel more ready now <laughs> for when I share <laughs> when this movie comes out for the next time <laughs> uh, <laughs> those conversations happen. Right. But um, yeah, because a lot of it, many times it is just a, a common misconception about Calvinism there's there are some people that you know they're in their cage stage right and um i mean the good news is eventually you come out of it eventually as far yeah. as i know <laughs> um but so 
a reason why um, a movie called Calvinist mm-hmm. would be good mm-hmm. is because it would just be like a very simple way to maybe clear up some misconceptions, what it actually looks like. Yeah. Am I wrong? I hope, I hope your movie like functions as a tool in that way to just like really make people who maybe haven't thought about some of these things just more familiar with it so it's not so foreign and not so alien and scary. And you have some yeah. scary people in your movie, obviously. <laughs> but um, they're all they're all on their best behavior within the context of the movie, though. Good, good, um, good. <laughs> well, well and let, let me say this too: like, um, there there is a way that you could make. Like, I think some people are going to be disappointed by my movie because they're going to expect it to be um, a theology course, uh, like a like a right. you know, seminary, right. seminary class in the form of documentary footage um but that's not that's not what the movie is primarily it's sort of um like you will be able to walk away from the movie getting a a pretty good understanding of what calvinists believe um but the but the emphasis is more on like the experience of uh, a generation of people who basically have no business holding on to this old theology that is offensive to people and sort of the experience that we went through. Um, and then I'm trying to have fun in the way that I explain these doctrines because I feel like it was so much fun to learn them, you know, when, right. when, when, when we learned them. So I'm just trying to stay true to that. So I guess I'm trying to do something in, in this movie that I've never really seen done in a movie, which is like I'm not trying to be the end-all, be-all uh, right. teaching tool for Calvinism. I'm trying to like have an experiential uh story be told while also you know being a good learning tool for for people to understand well i guess that's not necessarily i guess that's what every documentary strives to do uh to (laughs) teach and to entertain hell a good Uh, story i've I've never seen one within the context of theology maybe right 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 well i'm really excited for it i can't wait to see it when is it coming out uh october 2nd is the release date and you can you can pre-order it now uh, at CalvinistMovie.com. And you can also get a t-shirt while you're there. It says Calvinist Ooh. on it. Ooh, I should Very get a nice. t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. That's awesome. All right, <laughs> Les. Well, hey, thanks for coming on our show and just yeah, talking about these things. You. And I, like I, I said. Think it's, I, I think it's crazy that, I, I know you, you said that uh, you thought it was obvious that you need to call me. I guess it's because I made a movie and it's coming out called Calvinist. But the fact that I'm like, we're going to make a show about Calvinism. Who should we call? Less? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. The Summer, Summer White and Joy Tembi would decide that I'm the guy to call for Calvinism. Well, you made the movie officially. Right. Like, you, yeah. like you said, like you made the movie. So that's. You are now like boosted to like number one spot in Calvinism. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe. I have arrived. Not before Calvin. Probably but. not before Calvin, but like right <laughs> after because you did the documentary on him. He's dead. You can't get him on your show. <laughs> well, that's why we were like, okay, so Calvin's, Calvin's not available. Dead. I guess we'll call less. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, Les, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. You still have some of the cutest kids I've ever seen on social media. I just yep. had to let you know in case you've forgotten. I cannot <laughs> handle... Have you seen Les's kids like ghosts? I'm looking. I'm not right going to use the word stock in reference to children, but like, 
Yeah, especially on the internet. Please, yeah, cut that out. Don't, I'm not going to say that. To go <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Don't say that. But like Les truly just has, he has the cutest little family. I can't stand it. Like your, your family gives me like cute aggression. Like they're so cute. Anyway. Aww. All right, Les, thanks for giving us your time. We're so excited for the movie and I hope it goes really well. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for thinking of me, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 Seriously, though. Cute aggression. His family is so I'm looking cute. right now. I'm looking right now. They are very cute. They are. Oh, look at that family. I know. All right, that was awesome. Um, I think I've already mentioned three times that I'm excited for the movie, but I really am excited for the movie. Right. You um, put a lot of hard work into this. I know. The graphics on the trailer are just, like, I amazing. I was jealous of that. Like, this is going to be... Well, I think whether or not you're a Calvinist, like, you should minimally be able to appreciate, like, the work. Well, I think that would be... Like, that's a great, great testament to, like, what His Les ability. is trying to do yeah. here. Like, he's yeah. not just trying to... He's He, like... He did it. He did he went it. went for it. I know. It's going to um, be really great. So you should be able to, especially with the Christian stuff, media that's going on out there. I know. When someone really like... Show up, support works, the movie, because this is artistic. It, done. it is not yeah. pure flicks level Christian right. work. It's like... It's next level. So anyway. Sorry if you like pure flicks and you're not a Calvinist. <laughs> we still love you. <laughs> All right, I have been waiting. Let's just get to this because I have been waiting to talk about. I know last week we missed our feminist of the week, right? Because the episode was so long. This is just so she's been the technically been the feminist of two weeks, but we didn't get to mention her last week because right. that episode was so long. Stephen Van Cars still the best. <laughs> that episode was so great. Anyway, um, a horrible crime against humanity happened in a airport in Germany a couple weeks ago. And so we got our next feminist of the week. And I'm probably the worst thing that's ever happened in Germany. The worst. Say? Yes. You in guys, Germany? if there's little ears around, we're about to tell you about the worst thing that's ever happened in Germany. I just cannot believe like the crime against humanity. <sighs> so Ashley Judd, was in an airport, you guys, mm -hmm. and this man, it's hard not to, <laughs> this man called her, are you ready for what he called her? Mm -hmm. <gasps> this man in the airport called her sweetheart. Stop. I declare. I declare. So she went on Facebook Live. Of course she did. And she wanted to let us all know about this crime against humanity. This disgusting pervert who also told her she was wearing a nice dress. <laughs> oh my God. You know. I'm just giving up. And to quote her, the, she then set her stuff on the doohickey. The doohickey. <laughs> Don't laugh. I'm <laughs> sorry. The doohickey <laughs> that rolls. Mm -hmm. You know? The doohickey. Joy. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and guess, guess what happened next to her? After she was <clears throat> just verbally assaulted by this right. man who called her a sweetheart. Right. And she put her stuff on the doohickey. Well, and then he complimented her. And but then it's he not really a compliment because it was a man talking to a woman. So you know that doesn't happen. And men cannot compliment women without having, trying them. to oppress them. Anyway, he touched her. Now, hmm. 
we don't know what kind of touch this was, but we can only assume, given this was all on airport security tapes and two million people have viewed it, maybe he touched her arm. Maybe he accidentally walked by her too close. We don't know, but we know that it was definitively not an appropriate touch. But anyway, complimented her. He told her she was a nice person, and we know that she doesn't like that because she likes to wear t-shirts that say nasty woman. Right. Just so you can't oppress her. And then, before she left, he had the nerve to tell her to have a nice day. No. No. You guys, I just want you to know, hopefully you all are rolling your eyes or you can hear right. us rolling right. our eyes. Um, this is the face of feminism today. It, yes. You cannot argue. I mean, Ashley Judd was one of the people up on stage at the DC Women's March talking about Hitler being in the streets and wearing the nasty woman stuff and whatever. I just want you to know that she is the face, one of the many faces yes. of feminism today. Yeah. Um, and in case you've forgotten, the organizers of the Women's March... Linda Sarsour, Tamika Mallory, and Carmen Perez are all tied to terrorists. All of them. Uh, Louis Farrakhan, um, Linda Sarsour is a proponent of Sharia law. She doesn't understand. She thinks it'd be great. Something about credit card debt going away. I don't even know. It's insane. I'm not even kidding. I'll send you this quote later. It's crazy. (laughs) Just look into Linda Sarsour and her ties to all kinds of Islamic terrorists and... Carmen Perez and Tamika Mallory. Um, they just love Louis Farrakhan. Go ahead and look up into what that guy's into. Anyway, this is the face of feminism today. Right. If you think it's not, you're just simply wrong. Right. This is just so feministy that how could it not be our feminist of the week? How could it not be? Funny. Uh, there you go. You're welcome, you guys. Right. Um, don't tell anyone to have a nice day or you might be a perverted misogynist. I well, don't know. And if somebody tells you to have a nice day and or calls you sweetheart and or touches you. What does that even mean? Um, that's just problematic in and of itself. <laughs> but um, just remember to assume their intentions. Yes. Are completely negative. Always assume. And they're part of the patriarchy. Yes. And they're trying to oppress you. Yes. As a matter of fact, don't treat them like a human. No. Assume that they are awful jerks. Right. Yeah. Man jerks. They're all men. Man jerks. Is there any other kind? (laughs) Just kidding. There is. Oh, (laughs) man. All right, you guys. Oh, man. Oh, 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 <laughs> woman. Have a nice day. I, I don't, don't know what's know. happening right now. I say all the wrong things. You do. I'm not a feminist. Um, <laughs> hey, don't forget to support us on Patreon. We're getting close to our goal. We're still not there. And I'm not threatening you by making you um, starve for your Sheologians fix every week. But it could happen. Hey. So go to patreon.com slash Sheologians. Give us a cup of coffee a month. Where that's while you drink water. We are considering doing new Pretty merch. Soon we're gonna have to change that to think of us every time you drink a pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice latte. latte. <laughs> <laughs> so 
We have a lot of exciting stuff happening on right. our website. We're about to relaunch, and um, we're we're, we're going to do some t-shirts soon. We are. I already have several ideas in mind. Yes. Um. So, yeah. I'm Get actually going. I'm going today to find out if we can do mugs and oh, other things. I can't promise them yet, but I'm trying to figure it out. So please, please, please partner with us on Patreon. Help us make these things happen. And we'll see you next week. Hey, Summer. What? Have a nice day. Mm, Have a good day, sweetheart. Nice dress.